sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Sports Grid. Get on the Grid. Happy Thursday. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. I'm Craig Mish. For the next two hours, we're talking fantasy baseball with you as well as a little football. And of course, Checking in on the NBA as they get ready to head to the playoffs here in 2020. We had a fun night of baseball last night. If pitching is your thing, this show may not be for you. Tons of hitting, tons of top performances, and we're going to dive into it today. Davis Maddock from Roto Experts will join us in just a little bit to go over the 2020 fantasy football season as we ramp up some of our football coverage as well. But as we bring in my co-host Joe Pizapia, Joe, I think that last night in particular was the biggest offensive night that we've seen so far in baseball. We had several players hitting two home runs apiece, and so that will obviously boost your standings in all the leagues that you're playing in and hopefully made some money for people in DFS as well. Yeah, let me tell you, man, some crazy runs. And we talked about this trend, right? We had a lot of runs uh, previous couple of nights, obviously in the Colorado games with Arizona. That didn't disappoint. We talked about how much offense uh, that could create uh, from the White Sox. We also talked about even that uh, the Rays Red Sox game the last couple of days too had a bunch of runs until last night. So all of a sudden, offensive explosions, as you pointed out yesterday, no left-handed pitching, bullpens are soft. It's uh, if you like scoring, if you like tournaments, this baseball season's for you. Definitely so. Let's go through all the top stories for today. We got a little piece of breaking news to give to you as well. But first, let's start off with Byron Buxton, who finally, and again, I say finally because it's been three or four years. He's still only 26, but looks like the breakout is finally here for Byron Buxton, who went deep again yesterday. He's hit home runs in four straight games. He looks like the player that everybody thought he was going to be. We'll obviously exercise a little bit of caution because when he first came up, he hit seven home runs in five days, too. But we'll see. A good start, at least for Buxton in 2020. Not a football score last night, but something to watch moving forward as the Miami Marlins take out the Toronto Blue Jays by a score of 14 to 11, 25 runs. That's the most in a game this year. Miami led this game 8 to nothing. Their bullpen fell apart. The Jays hit seven home runs, but that was not enough to win because they made some mistakes in the field. Mike Trout homers, Angels lose again. This has been the story for the last few years, and it continued yesterday. Dylan Carlson, according to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, looks like he's going to make his MLB debut if they return to the field. That is the Cardinals on Friday, so we'll keep an eye on that. Giannis gets a one-game suspension, so he got off the hook pretty easily here, and he'll be right back for the playoffs when they start up next week. And a couple of notes in the NFL. We have an extension for George Kittle, which was just announced, and also uh, Frank Reich yesterday saying that Marlon Mack is the starting running back. Of course, we're not going to believe that because you don't believe coaches what they say going into a season. Needless to say, that's what he said. And also, uh, Megan Montemiro, who covers the Philadelphia Phillies, is reporting that Alec Baum has been recalled uh, Mm. from uh, their alternate camp site, and I would not think that he's getting called up to sit. So that's another interesting name that we'll have to keep an eye on. Maybe there's an injury that we don't know about, too. We'll, as the day goes on, figure out more. But, Joe, that's where we're going to start off today. 
Yeah, it's a good thing he was on that proactive list last week. If you added him for a buck, if he was still floating around the waiver wire, uh, it seems like another shoe is going to drop there in that Alec Baum news. But that uh, that is an Alec Baum, uh, as it were, to the waiver wire out there right now. So I'm sure a lot of people might be scrambling. We'll see what happens there. Fun game, certainly, between the Marlins uh, and the Blue Jays. They uh, obviously kicked a late field goal here to win it 14-11. So right. a nice outing there. And uh, a great game for Bichette in this one, too. Five for five and that one. I mean, whoo, doggy. That was a good day for Mr. Bichette. Uh, I will say this too. You, you're right. You know, we, we shouldn't always believe the coaches. However, you know, Marlon Mack had a thousand yards last year, despite an injury the year before he had nearly a thousand as well. I know Jonathan Taylor has a lot of talent, but Marlon Mack's value and fantasy draft so far from what I've seen has basically fallen off the map so much so that it doesn't cost you anything to find out that at least maybe for the first month or so of the season, if this guy is getting the bulk of the carries, let's say that he's getting 15 to 20 and uh, let's say Jonathan Taylor gets somewhere between five and 10 to start out the season. That's not a, an absurd uh, thought process. And you don't need Marlon Mack to have another thousand yard season. What you need is Marlon Mack to go out there and at least start off the season as the starter, as the main guy, as the focal point running back, at least for the first, maybe four to five weeks of the season, because if so, he's going to return that ADP. And by that time, some other guys will show up on the waiver wire who you can continue to add guys for maybe the stretch run or make a trade. So I, I think this Marlon Mack news is something we should pause about. We shouldn't ignore altogether, but right now that ADP has dropped so far with Marlon Mack that I think it's worth speculating late in drafts. Yeah. I, I trust no NFL coach with anything that they say. I'll stick to that, but I am a Mac fan. I'm not a Taylor fan. So obviously I like to hear this, but I don't believe it for a second. Uh, Juan Soto, let's take a look at the hottest hitter right now in baseball since he's come back Seven games, four home runs, and a 444 OBP, as we welcome in our listeners on uh, Sports Grid Radio. A 466-foot home run he hit yesterday. That's the biggest one of the season. Bigger than Judge, bigger than Stanton, bigger than everybody else. Uh, and, and he is a guy that, since he has come back, there has been nobody better. How has he been able to do it after the game? He spoke to the media and talked about just how quickly he had to get prepared to return after missing the first week. For me, uh, with the time off and everything, I gotta. I, when I come back, I just gotta really make sure uh, I'm doing everything perfect. Uh, we know nobody's perfect, but I try to go to the field, I try to do my routine, my routine in the cage. I try to make it as clean as I can, try to make it as perfect as I can, and to make made me made me come back quicker and made my my body comes come back to feel ready more quicker. So that's the thing I've been doing and just try to make my, my routine perfect. Joe, he's certainly not perfect, but he's close as you can to be perfect in fantasy this year. He's been phenomenal. Mm -hmm. uh, he's my guy. You remember this was my NL MVP pick and it's so great to see him healthy and on the field again. And this weekend on Diamondbacks, the well, uh, Diamondbacks, excuse me, uh, the uh, Welsh and I are going to get into our top uh, 12 fantasy dynasty guys, and he is certainly top three for me. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today. We have some other top performers, so make sure you stay tuned. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
back, Fantasy Sports. Today, it is Sports Grid. It is Thursday. And before we go any further, I want to remind you, you can follow us on Twitter, at SportsGrid. Of course, our website is SportsGrid.com. Catch all of our shows 24-7, whether it is video, audio, radio, terrestrial, everything. Got it going on over at SportsGrid.com. Head over to our website. Also, congratulations to us. We are now a part of Sling TV. For those of you who are watching on one of the different ways that you watch our show and you have the Sling app, make sure you... Check us out there. We're basically everywhere. You can't avoid us. It's not always a good thing, but that's definitely the case as we head into the 2020 middle of the baseball season and beginning of the football season and NBA playoffs and Stanley Cup playoffs as well. It's a good time to be a sports fan. Never thought we would say that uh, four months ago, but here we are. Okay, let's dive in. Last night, we had some monster fantasy performances. Monster fantasy performances. Mm -hmm. And to go through them would take two hours to do them all. But here are some of the better ones. Uh, Bo Bichette last night in a losing effort went five for five. He had his fourth home run. We'll talk about Bichette even more a little bit later in the show. But he has been one of the top stars in all of fantasy thus far. Byron Buxton, speaking of which, slow start first week. Last two weeks, he's been great. Two home runs. And he's up to five. Can he maintain it? Can he stay on the field? These are all questions that certainly will have to be asked. Two guys in Colorado went off yesterday. Not a huge surprise there. Arenado, three hits, two home runs. Garrett Hampson may have found a, a home here at the top of the lineup for the Rockies. We'll see. He got four hits. His average is now up to 325 on the season. Starling Marte on the flip side of that game. He's gotten off to a really slow start, but he had two home runs yesterday, four RBIs and three hits. So maybe this is the beginning of good things for him. In terms of pitching, if you're looking for a waiver wire ad, this is the number one guy this week, Tony Gonsolin, 4.2 innings pitched, eight strikeouts. The Dodgers just keep reaching down to their system, grabbing another pitcher, and that guy ends up being good, like every single time. It is amazing. And Zach Greinke, who was basically yelling at the catcher yesterday, telling him what he was going to throw next, which was pretty funny, ended up picking up the win, six and a third, one earned run, and seven strikeouts. And so those are some of the top performers from yesterday, Joe. And I hate to do any disrespect to anyone else, but there were a lot. And those yeah. are some of them. Yeah, but you pick the best of the lot for sure. And uh, Granky, that moment topped it all for me. I thought that was hysterical. You know, talk about, you know, the Astros knowing what's coming. How about them telling you what's coming? How about that? How about Zach Granky just basically screaming what pitch he wants to throw and when he's going to throw it and how he's going to throw it? Just fantastic. And he was our cash game arm last night. Uh, he did uh, provide the exact start that we were hoping for. And, you know, Hampson's another guy, too. Uh, we talked about earlier this week in DFS. He was very cost-effective. And when you're looking for cost-effective Rockies at the top of the order, there's no reason not to go out there and put a guy like Hampson out there and ride this wave. The other fascinating thing, despite Arenado's two home runs yesterday, at one point in time, they actually intentionally walked Charlie Blackman, Craig. I don't know if you saw this, to pitch to Arenado after the two home runs. Now, it ended up working out. Isn't that incredible to think about that Charlie Blackman's gotten to a status right now where they're walking him to pitch to the guy who just hit two home runs named Nolan Arenado? Is that not just the most bizarre thing ever right now? Yeah, it's been, you know, it's interesting. The beginning of the season, usually at Coors Field every year, you don't get these sort of performances, but we are right in the middle of the summer in Denver. And I mean, pitching to Blackman, Arenado, or even anyone on this team right now is certainly dangerous. And even the Diamondbacks scored a lot of runs yesterday, too. So, uh, look, there there is no easy out at Coors, and right now Blackman is seeing the ball so well that it, it sort of does make sense that you can't let him beat you, but of course you have arguably the best third baseman in baseball right behind him too. So 
Uh, hard one to figure if you're a starting pitcher, no question about that. Uh, another offensive player that could be out on the waiver wire this week is Clint Frazier of the New York Yankees with Giancarlo Stanton on the injured list for at least a couple of weeks, probably more. It looks like uh, Frazier's going to get more of a chance to play. Now, initially, it looked like Mike Talkman would just simply be put back in the lineup like he was last year, and Mike Ford would get more playing time, but I don't know. I mean, this could be Frazier's shot because he can play the outfield and play it maybe better defensively than the other two guys I just mentioned. He had his first home run of the season in his first game back, three hits, two runs, and this is you know, sort of the player that we're waiting for. Don't know if the Yankees are playing him to actually play him. Don't know if they're playing him to trade him. Is extremely unclear, but after the game, Clint Frazier talked about this being his first game back and hitting a home run. And I was my first real game of 2020. You know, it's been a, a lot of sim games, and it, it felt good to to get instant results. You know, it's not going to be that easy every time I step in the plate, but we faced a good pitcher, and and you know, Gary, you know, obviously set the tone for for that inning, and and I just tried to to build off him, and it felt. It felt good. I'm just, you know, thrilled that I got to play tonight. It would be nice, Joe, to see Frazier get a real opportunity because he certainly has had the track record and pedigree in the minor leagues to do it. I know that he certainly has been frustrated and has expressed that. Uh, it is really hard to break into a team that is constantly going out and signing free agents and always looking to improve. And we understand that there's always going to be a little bit of Yankee inflation on some players. We think that they're probably better than they are. But uh, I hope either he gets the opportunity to play in New York or better yet, maybe this is a two-week audition as the Yankees chase down a World Series. Stanton comes back. Maybe he gets traded for a piece that they need because it's getting to the point where his career is getting hurt by not playing. Yeah, and I would agree with that. It's also, um, look, let's be honest, between the injuries of Stanton, Hicks, Judge the last few years, He's been an invaluable piece to be able to go down, bring this guy up, and have productivity come out of there. And, and there's no doubt in my mind that if Frazier was on another team, he would be an everyday player. Uh, I don't think any of us really doubt that. But the Yankees have held on to him because, frankly, they've had a need. And once again, here we are in 2020. It's like the third straight year that they've had a need to go down and pluck Frazier out of the minor league system and put him in there in some sort of semi-everyday capacity. And uh, I don't know how much longer they can do this or how much longer the contract is for him them to be able to do this to him. But it seems like, at least for now, even this year, that he continues to be a valuable piece. But I think going forward, this is an intriguing guy in some of those deeper leagues, especially in a keeper dynasty format that you know, you've seen enough here where the the power's there. He's always had quick hands. And I think you look at a guy like Frazier and say, okay, maybe this is a guy that I can pluck off. And maybe next year or the year after, he finally becomes an everyday player somewhere else. Because I just don't think it's going to be the Yankees. Because like you said, it's always a carousel of who's the next big contract, who's the next big name coming into this situation. And by the way, side note, the curls were very impressive there in that clip. I mean, I am jealous of those curls. They are rocking. I'm sure you're jealous of them too, though. Those were impressive. Yeah, I, I am, some especially if there. I can yeah, transfer some to uh, to the back, which you guys don't uh, get to see every day. You know, the, the other thing with this, and, and this speaks more to the reality of baseball than it is to the fantasy of baseball, and, and people are just so quick to say, uh, you know, why isn't Frazier playing or why don't they trade him to another team? And I think they're all fair questions. But one thing that needs to be focused on as as you move forward with a player like this is that uh, free agents obviously are still going to go to the Yankees no matter what they do. But there's also the question of are they doing the right thing for the human and are they doing the right thing for the individual? And it's always going to be team first in baseball. And I think that we get that. But it does come to a point 
And and this speaks to a lot of players in Major League Baseball where uh, the, the human aspect comes into this. And if Brian Cashman and, and Aaron Boone still feel like they need Frazier and they're going to play him, that's one thing. But, uh, you know, players talk around the league, and certainly the talk is going to be eventually that they just did not do the right thing by Frazier and just held him back and never used him and then let three years of his career essentially go by without the ability to play. And I think that is something that happens all over the game, and that's why I think the Yankees need to do the right thing eventually, Joe. And uh, look, they have injuries, and and they got to have backup options there. But Frazier is going to probably have a better career than Mike Talkman. He's probably going to have a better career than Mike Ford. That's no slouch. Those guys are good players too. But there comes a point where where you have to say, you know what, we've let this guy sit too long. We need him for sure, and we could use him and just have him toiling away on the bench. But the right thing to do is to get him out of there, I, I think. Uh, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think that if you're trying to figure out fancy-wise what the projection is of this player, I would say in a full season, this is a guy that's probably going to hit around 25 home runs. I think he could be an 80 uh, RBI kind of a guy somewhere in that range, depending on where he hit in the lineup. He's going to still strike out. It's definitely part of his game when you go and look at the minor league track record. But the guy's got real power. And if he lands in a good spot, potentially on another team in a home run friendly ballpark, like a, a Milwaukee or a Philadelphia or somewhere like that, you know, goodness, this guy could really even be a 30 home run guy. There's no doubt about that. And you're right. I, guys do talk, but I, I hope. I hope that Frazier either gets his opportunity with the Yankees or they move on from him soon for his best interest and in the best interest of the baseball. Cardinals could use him too. I could see him Mm. uh, doing very well there uh, in St. Louis. All right. uh, We got to take a break. We got the tip drill coming up, but first here's an update from Chris on what's going on in the world of fantasy sports. Then we'll be back to talk about some of the guys who are having an extremely hard hit rate to start the season. Don't go away or FST after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. Thanks to Greg and Jeremy for just crushing it all week long on the NBA tip drill. Of course, we'll have one more edition tomorrow as we head into the weekend and as we head into the fantasy weekend. Also interesting to take a look at some of the advanced metrics in baseball and in fantasy, and and maybe they actually relate, and maybe these are players that are potentially either on the waiver wire or players that you could end up acquiring. And Joe, hard hit rate is something that I think is supremely important because it's a better indicator as to what could potentially happen into the future. Now, it's all, it's not perfect. I know that because, look, guys strike out a lot and hit the ball a lot very hard. It still is not going to equal somebody really being a fantasy star. But simply put, we have some players here that we really need to take notice on. Well, that's exactly right, Craig. And I think what we're also trying to do is demystify some of the deeper stats because I think it's been intimidating to a lot of people who used to love Major League Baseball and love fantasy. And all of a sudden, they're getting so many of these statistics and they're trying to differentiate well, which ones are important. And in this first one here, this is a guy last year who hit over 25 bombs and we've been waiting for a breakout for him. And yes, he's still striking out, but that hard hit rate is still very high. And it's the Oscar Hernandez of the Toronto Blue Jays or Buffalo Blue Jays right now. But that hard hit rate is up at 59.5%. That's one of the tops in the league right now. Now, you see the batting average in the 270s. 
He's not going to be an OBP kind of guy. Okay. The OBP is under 300 right now. So OBP league's not very good. As I mentioned, he still strikes out too much more than once a game, almost in that rate. However, that's more of a detriment in points leagues than it is in roto leagues. As long as this guy can keep hitting the ball hard, keep making good contact. He can continue to keep that batting average in the two sixties area, but he can still provide you big time power numbers and considering his cost. I think that's something with Hernandez that you can hope for the rest of the season, especially if this blue Jays lineup seems to be heating up quite a bit lately. Yeah. And as we'll, we'll discuss later in the show, the re I've, I liked the Oscar Hernandez for many years and saw him play uh, at the ballpark of the Palm beaches um, for many years as well, but uh, really hasn't put it all together. And I'm not sure that he ever will put it all Mm. together. I think he's a very good player, but not a great player, but I don't think it's going to matter in Buffalo this year. It seems like that is going to be a park to really pay attention to a little bit later in the show. We'll hear from the manager, the blue Jays talking about that specifically. And and I think a lot more runs are coming and and not just on Teoscar Hernandez. I think the entire lineup, if they have a pulse is, is are going to have really good games there. Travis Shaw hit two home runs last night too. So uh, keep an eye on the blue Jays for sure. Um, in terms of the Yankees, uh, look, they've they've really gone away at this point from Miguel Andujar, and that's another player that they may have to figure out what to do with in the future. And so, Joe, the guy who replaced him last year looks like the guy who's going to be moving forward for them. Yeah, and I got to tell you, this is shocking to me because the minor league track record of this guy, and there was a lot of it, suggested that this is a player around a 700 OPS, right? And you look at OPS right now, it's 905. Why is it? Because that hard hit rate is up to 51.2%. That is a huge number right now for Gio Urshela. Uh, and Hart actually got sent down last week by the Yankees. So, uh, look, it's his job right now. I think we all have to understand that. And I did not think he had a repeat in him, but so far, he really has. Everything just screamed regression. So far, so good for Urshela. And I think sometimes, you know, we have to admit when we're wrong. And I was definitely wrong about this player. And I think now is a great time to get in on him because he continues to be pretty cheap on FanDuel. And if you want a a good player on a good offense at a good cost, Urshela might be that guy. And then over to the Padres, interestingly enough, Trent Grisham, who found his way out of Milwaukee last year, basically off missing a, a ball in the outfield. Uh, I mean, this is a transformation that honestly, I don't think that anybody could have seen coming. And again, not sure if this is real or not, but basically almost no one in the game is hitting the ball harder than Trent Grisham. And so these numbers are going to have to come up in terms of batting average with an 848 OPS and a 222 batting average. Uh, The problem for me is I don't know that Grisham is ever going to be a 162 game player. The question is, Joe, how much he will end up playing this year? Yeah, and I think the, uh, the answer to that question is, no matter how much he plays, it's where he hits in this batting order. Because if he's hitting the two hole between Tatis and Machado, he's going to see a, a ton of fastballs. And if he keeps hitting them hard at the rate he is right now, which is again over 50%, anything over 50% is outstanding as hard hit rate. And these are three guys that are all over that for the most part. And uh, Trent Grisham, look, again, not a big batting average guy. Can he have some home runs? Yeah. Is he going to hit some doubles? Absolutely. As long as he keeps slugging, as long as he keeps hitting that ball hard, and as long as he keeps seeing fastballs in the middle of this order, that's where you want him to be. The minute he gets dropped down in this order, Craig, that's when I would be looking potentially to move Grisham because I think that is kind of tied into his success right now. And then finally, we have a player on the Baltimore Orioles who, to me, is just so reminiscent of Jose Bautista when he came Mm. into his own with the Toronto Blue Jays. Renato Nunez was basically a nothing two years ago. And the Orioles gave him a shot. Really no thought of him doing it again this year. And he is right back at it where he was a year ago. 
the, the, the Orioles now have either a player that they can trade in a year or maybe even extend and build around. Uh, look, Eugenio Suarez is another good example of a late bloomer, but Nunez, yes. I think, is right there with him and right there with Bautista. Yeah, and he's not an anomaly and, and a product of the ballpark either because last year, 14 of his 30 home runs were actually on the road. So Nunez's power is legit, and the hard hit rate will tell you that as well. He is also over 50% here, and uh, I think this is the kind of guy you extend. I understand, you know, it's not like a great defensive player. He is probably a DH here for the rest of his career, but who cares? If this guy's going to hit home runs, if this guy's going to drive in runs, I think you want him, and I think Nunez so far has proven that last year is not a fluke. Coming up next, we'll preview the Nationals and Mets, Padres, and Dodgers. That's on tap. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid for you. And we have day baseball going on this afternoon, so we're going to have a preview of the Nationals and Mets coming up. They start in about 20 minutes from now. If you're playing DFS, you can play day, you can play night. But if you are playing, make sure you do it over at the FanDuel DFS site. Get in on all the action there. And if you're placing bets this season, of course, for basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, uh, and the NFL, make sure you go over to the FanDuel Sportsbook. They are certainly up and running and doing a great job, giving you a lot of different options to bet on uh, in the coming days, coming weeks as well. And speaking of which, tomorrow, for the first time in five months, I believe, barring something unforeseen, I'll be at a baseball game tomorrow. I mean, I can't believe that it has been five months, but uh, it has. The last game I was at, talked about it here, was with Joe Ranieri where Joe and I were at the uh, broadcasting here for Fantasy Sports Today from the Marlins-Yankees game at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium in Jupiter. Now, of course, no live broadcasting tomorrow. Maybe next year we'll do that for Sports Grid. Can't do it this year, clearly. But, uh, Joe, it'll be five months almost to the day that uh, I'll be back at a game. The Marlins will take on the Atlanta Braves tomorrow night, of course, without Ronald Acuna, without Ozzie Albies. Miami is in first place, so it's been a nice little run for them, given everything that has happened. But I got to tell you, it's going to be a bizarre feeling because the Marlins were away for 23 days. I've been away for five months, so I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's going to be weird, but great at the same time. Uh, send my regards to Jesus Aguilar, who uh, continues to hit the baseball pretty well. And those Marlins keep winning games, so hopefully we'll see a good baseball game as well. But this uh, this small inching towards normalcy is very good. I want you to stay safe out there. Make sure you do all the smart things. I know you will, because if you don't, you'll get it at home. And I know there's there's real fear there if you don't. So make sure that uh, you know you do everything you're supposed to do and uh, you take care of yourself. Uh, and uh, hey, I, I think it's great. I think it's fantastic that uh, you're getting to go back there to uh, basically, you know, the job you love to do. And I imagine that's that's really what it's about for you. It's the exciting moment of getting back to that ballpark, getting back to that environment. And no, it's not the same environment, but at least there's baseball being played, and at least you're in the building. And I guess at this point in 2020, we have to settle for the small joys like that. 
Yeah, it, it should be interesting because, again, they had all their home games canceled or postponed very early on. And mm-hmm. so essentially this is their first home game of 2020 tomorrow night. And so on Monday, I'll have a recap of that, of course, for sure. I'm going to go Friday and Saturday, I believe. Uh, but coming up in 20 minutes from now, we got the Mets and Washington Nationals. And uh, Mets are uh, you know, about minus 138, 140. Not an overwhelming favorite, but pretty chalky here. The Nationals are a little bit of a, of a dog here. Uh, total is nine. And simply put, because, look, today is a bullpen day. Uh, I, I don't see either of these pitchers going deep into the game. But Peterson's been okay, and so is Austin Voth. I mean, they've both been okay. Yeah. But this is going to come down to how well the bullpens will play against each other. And usually... They don't, and usually the bullpens <laughs> do give up runs here. So my lean on this is just kind of following the bouncing ball in baseball and leading toward the over and expecting some runs to be scored. But in general, to predict which team is going to win this game, that I can't do. So I would look at the total here. That's about it. Yeah, I would agree with that. The total, I would lean towards the over as well. Um, you know, nine is not a ridiculous number considering how quick we're probably going to be into the bullpen, but you know what? Let's give these two guys credit. Like you said, they have pitched all right here in the limited amount and Peterson. Now it's Stroman out. has got a job. I mean, that rotation spot is his to lose and uh, hopefully he can hang on to it. And hopefully the Mets, uh, you know, can somehow stay relevant. Uh, last night's good to see Pete Alonzo hit the ball hard as well. So uh, maybe if those Mets bats kind of step up here, it, you know, the East has been just fascinating because you've had the Strasburg injury for the nationals. You had Juan Soto miss time. Then of course you've had the Mets with missing Syndergaard already before we even got into this season 2.0 and then losing Stroman in this rotation. And obviously the slow start for Alonzo and the bad beginning for Edwin Diaz. They have the Phillies bullpen falling apart. You have the Braves literally falling apart with injuries and uh, you know, losing Soroka for the year, uh, losing Acuna now for the weekend. Albies is on the IL. He's supposed to come back soon, but still, Craig, this East was supposed to be the juggernaut. It was supposed to be, oh my God, the best baseball. And so far, it's almost been anyone's game. And I'm kind of fascinated to see how from the next, I would say, four weeks or so, how this division kind of shakes out. Do you have an inkling as to how it is going to shake out here? Do you have a favorite? Is it just the Nationals because of what they can do at the top of that rotation when everybody's healthy? Yeah, probably so, because I would guess that they have that switch that they could turn on, which they did last year, and and they know that they could do it again. And that's a pretty big confidence boost to be able to have that. Uh, at this stage of the game with Philadelphia's bullpen, it's hard to think of anything but a 500 team. There's a chance that Mets may finish last in this division, and I'm not it's sure possible. about the Marlins yet. <laughs> and, and look, they have 18 players that are going to come back, but that's not a guarantee at this point. There's so many different protocols involved that I'm learning about for players to come back that it's uh, I, I would guess there'll be a few that won't come back at all based on some of the things that I'm hearing that the guidelines and have to be uh, passed. So it, it could really be Miami and Washington fighting it out for the division as crazy as it sounds. And, and maybe, and you know what, maybe what Washington, you think that Yamamoto start yesterday, because I know we kind of get lost in the big total. Yeah, Yamamoto, is, is, Yamamoto is not going to be around to be a big league pitcher. It's he's not. I mean, he's, just, he's just not a big league. He, he's being forced. To, he pitched well five times last year, and right. and then it fell apart. And he he can't throw. He he needs to be able to throw hard to get guys out or fool guys. He's not doing it at all. But they have no other options. Literally none. Gotcha. So he's he can throw five innings in a game and give up five runs, and they'll be like, okay, maybe we can win that game. That's that's basically it. So that's not good. Um, that's not good. That's no, not a good not, not a pitcher. <laughs> not a pitcher. They, they're better off going with a bullpen day than they are, honestly, with, with starting him. But that's just the, the reality. When when you need some length once every five days, that's what they got to do. 
Uh, and, and by the way, in today's lineup for the Nationals, no Victor Robles. So that clearly is getting a day off for him. But, you know, sort of evens out a little bit because Ahmed Rosario also getting a day off for the Mets. Robles probably the better player. But as we'll see later on, isn't exactly doing what we thought he would uh, be doing at the start of the season. All right, the second marquee matchup of the game that we have over on the FanDuel Sportsbook is the Padres and Dodgers. The Dodgers are very significant favorites, as they should be, minus 140. If you take the Padres, you can bet 100 to win 124, and the total is 8.5 here. Chris Paddock has been great thus far, not a surprise. 3.18 earned run average, and Julio Urias, his ERA is 2.40. The Dodgers just keep throwing pitchers out there, and they keep performing. And their bullpen is very good, whether they have Joe Kelly or not. I don't think that makes any difference whatsoever. Uh, Gratterall uh, looked fantastic, too, last night. So I, I think that there's just a lot to like with L.A., and I'm not going to go against them here. I don't care how well the Padres are playing. Uh, so my inclination here is just basically to pass. Total-wise here, again, two pitchers, Paddock and Urias, especially with Urias, not going to get deep into the game again. Padres have just keep going to that bullpen constantly. They've pitched Pomerantz like seven in the last 10 days. Mm. Uh, so I'm going to just pass the game entirely, but I do, I can't go against the Dodgers. Just can't do it. No, I, and I can understand why uh, I also stand, understand the appeal of Paddock too against the Dodgers because he pitched well in his last outing against them. And Paddock is the real deal. I, I keep telling everybody, I, I'm just, every time this guy takes the mound, I'm impressed. And uh, in two or three years from now, we're going to be talking as him as one of these elite level pitchers. I'm sure who knows, maybe even as early as next year, I think he's slowly getting to that stage right now. And it's kind of fun to be in on the ground floor of it, but the Dodgers are the Dodgers and this lineup does not seem to quit. And Urias is capable of going out there and throwing five shutout innings. We all know that uh, in terms of his ability and talent level as well. Um, it, that's what makes this game so difficult. Uh, if anything, maybe maybe just the under a little bit, uh, maybe a little lean there in the eight and a half. It does seem like, a, you know, these two guys will eventually get into the bullpen. But um, I think if they can limit it, uh, like you saw last night, too, this game was kind of low scoring in the beginning. And, and you mentioned it in the last uh, segment, too, or two segments ago, I should say. It was Tony Gonsolin coming up and making that start yesterday. At the end of the day, when you look at the Dodgers, Craig, is this why they are the favorite? Because the, the depth of good arms, whether it be Urias, whether it be Gonson, whether it's like, hey, Ross Stripling, you need to go out there and throw five innings tonight. I mean, they've been able to do this time and time again and not just move on from, you know, guys like Hyunjin Ryu and Rich Hill, but they also moved on from Maeda and other guys like they keep cycling these young arms into this rotation. And it's just staggering once again to to see the talent, to see the depth. And I got to feel like that at this point still makes them the favorite overall. Like I feel better about the Dodgers overall than the Yankees or any other big favorites right now. Do you have that same feeling about the Dodgers where because they can continue to go down to the system and pluck out talent to plug in, they can overcome these injuries or, or rough starts or whatever have you better than many other teams, even some of the other favorite teams. Yeah, they, they, I think they have the most complete team, top to bottom, and they, they've also been in the scenario of getting to the World Series a couple of times and falling short. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think that they're the favorite on paper, but they probably should be given the experience that they have, and and they are sort of running out of, of pitchers to be able to use. I mean, Gonsolin is kind of the last viable one that they have for now. They still have a few hitters that are coming up in the minor leagues as well, but look, there's no doubt that they can just keep throwing guys out there and Ross Stripling. It's like when they have somebody they think is better than Stripling, he doesn't start. And then when they don't, he does start. And that's a great guy to have. And they've been cycling through those guys for many years. Alex Wood came in and out years ago. Right. Hiroki Kuroda was in and out. 
and <laughs> they, they just find a way to fill up the rotation. But now having Urias, having Bueller, having Kershaw, and having May, and then you throw Gonsolin into the mix, even with the couple veterans they have, it's it's a tough team to beat. It is. It's a tough it team really to beat is. right now. It really is. And, you know, and I understand, you know, big market teams, some, but, you know, sometimes people don't like to root for them. But, you know, I, I kind of find myself, in a way, rooting for the Dodgers. I, I like this team. I, I love Walker Bueller. He's, you know, I'm just a big Walker Bueller mark at the end of the day. There's no doubt about that. And I, I love Cody Bellinger. Like, those are some of my favorite players. And I do kind of feel like, you know, that, that if you look back on, you know, their series with Houston, they can understand why they feel kind of like they got the short end of the stick there. And I would like to see them get a W here. I, I would like to see the Dodgers finally get to that. And if I have a rooting interest this year, I have to say this Dodger team is fun. They're entertaining. They got some youth. They got some exciting guys. They got some personality too. guys like May. I mean, May's a personality, you know, <laughs> you, you, you swing at it. And I'd love to see Gavin Lux come up at some point too and make an impact on this team. I think we'd all like to see that in fantasy for sure. But for me, I think the Dodgers so far this year are the team that I secretly am rooting for, you know, besides the Mets. Cause I, does kind of feel like they are the best baseball organization right now, top to bottom. And let's not forget, it's also an organization that had one of their top pitchers opt out to start the season in David Price. So they were without David Price, and they're still looking like the favorite, which is incredible. Yeah, Nick, it's, it's a great team for sure, no doubt. Uh, John Heyman, by the way, uh, of MLB Network is reporting that uh, looks like the Cardinals uh, flight to uh, Chicago to play the White Sox tomorrow has been canceled. And there's also a report coming from him saying something about the potential of another positive test from one of their coaches. If indeed that is the case and their series is wiped out this weekend, I think that the Cardinals will be having a different conversation about their future uh, on Monday. They are certainly running out of time to be able to play this season and, uh, and double headers are running out of time too. So certainly want to see the Cardinals back on the field and hope for the best. But from a fantasy perspective, if you have any of these guys, you got to wait to put them back in. Unfortunately, you have to bench them all. I still am a proponent of picking all of them up because eventually they're going to get back and play more games than anyone else. But this is a situation to monitor, just like everything else in the world of sports. All right, uh, coming up next, what we're going to do, uh, you know, not much DFS to talk about today. It's like a short slate. So coming up next, we're going to talk about some potential buy low candidates in fantasy. Then in the second hour of the show, we'll hear from the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, Charlie Montoyo who has had a chance to see his park in Buffalo up close and personal for a couple of days and talk about how that may play. And the one stat in baseball that is basically the hardest thing to chase down, I mean, saves you know who's coming in the ninth inning, but you just don't know from year to year who is going to have the green light and go from first to second base in terms of steals. We're going to look at Major League Baseball steals leaders in 2020, uh, talk about who the success stories have been, and also touch on some of the failure stories, too, because there's been a, a couple of players that you would have thought by now would have a handful of steals, and unfortunately, they have none. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today in just a couple of minutes. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
It's a light day of daily fantasy sports with a short slate today, but certainly there's no shortage of preparation that you could do in terms of maybe making a trade in fantasy or even going out to the waiver wire and picking somebody up. And the interesting thing is that there's a lot of different options of players that you can end up acquiring. And Joe, uh, don't know that I necessarily agree with one the one that oh, you have I know for you today, did. but let's let's, uh, let's dive into what? it. Why do you think I put this here at the show? I could do it really quick and then run away and then you can't come after me. That's exactly why I slipped this in here and then they're going to make my getaway. So look, Injun Ryu's first start wasn't good. Injun Ryu's overall ERA is above four. However, the last two starts, 11 innings, 15 strikeouts, just two walks. And that was always his bread and butter last year. He didn't walk anybody. I don't expect the guy to have a K per nine over nine, but I do expect him to get those walks down. And when the walks are down, He's only given up three hits, two in the last 11 innings. Look, it's a good trend. And what I'm saying is right now, we're all desperate for starting pitching. We lost more starting pitchers this week as well. We're going to lose more starting pitchers. Hyunjin Ryu is out there right now, and in the last two starts has looked more like the Hyunjin Ryu of last year. Even the second half of Hyunjin Ryu last year is worth looking for. Take that first start, throw it out there. We give everybody else a pass on that first start. Why don't we give it to Ryu? So, yes, I would be buying low on him, and I think he can. Because I think people remember that first start, how bad it was. And you look at the over ERA and C4 and you go, oh, yeah, it's not that great. And then people like Craig will just trade him to you, hopefully, for not that much. So now, uh, luckily, because it's towards the end of the first hour, Craig doesn't have too much time to hammer me about how much he dislikes Ryu. But can't argue with the numbers. They've been good. Am I right? Uh, the numbers have been good, and he pitched very well in Buffalo. I'm very concerned for any pitcher starting in Buffalo moving forward. I, I think that a lot of runs are going to be coming. And and look, maybe on the road he can get it done. But from everything that I'm hearing from Miami side and hearing publicly from Toronto side, I think that this could end up being one of the higher scoring ballparks in Major League Baseball moving forward. Guys just aren't hitting home runs. They're hitting light towers outside of the park. There were eight home runs in that game yesterday. And the Marlins are not a great offensive team. And so uh, as as bad as Ryu's first start was, uh, and I understand his second start was very good, but that was not up against an offensive juggernaut in uh, in the Marlins. So I'm going to pass. But we'll be right back with more fantasy sports today. So don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 